0: gospel this morning is from Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 33 to 46. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest came, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce, but the tenants seized his slaves, and they beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized Jesus was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him. They feared the crowds because they regarded Jesus as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. So a couple of times, every other week these days, I drive by an apartment complex that sits right next to the cancer center at Community North Hospital. It looks very much like the apartment complex I lived in for a couple of years in college, my junior and senior years, actually. And so I found myself waxing nostalgic about those days and that apartment lately. Part of it is surely the coming of fall and the changing weather and the fact that I sat on an alumni advisory board meeting for my alma mater a couple of weeks ago. Part of it is that many of our college friends and two of the roommates who shared that apartment with me have been reaching out in some lovely ways in response to Krista's cancer diagnosis lately, but part of it is that I remember how carefree and fun it was, not just because I was a college student having all the fun, but because I remember that it's actually kind of nice to be a tenant Living on someone else's property, in someone else's building, and not having to deal with all the things that go along with being the landlord or the landowner, the one who holds the mortgage. My to-do list back in college, I mean, included classes and homework, a very part-time job, and parties. I didn't have to worry about mowing the lawn, or changing furnace filters, or staining the deck, or repairing that screen, or replacing the carpet, or touching up the paint, or washing the windows. I still don't wash windows, but you understand what I'm saying. The benefits of leasing from somebody else who's responsible for all the things on my to-do list doesn't sound like such a bad deal right about now. And it made me think about Jesus' parable this morning in the Gospel of Matthew Jesus tells this story about a landowner who's planted this vineyard and who's checked off a whole bunch of pretty big stuff from a hefty to-do list, put a fence around it for protection, dug a wine press, built a watchtower, and rather than live there himself, he leases it to some tenants, some college kids maybe, giving them all they need to get by in the world. But the tenants don't seem to understand the nature of their lease Not only don't they appreciate all that's been shared with them, but they aren't inclined to keep up their end of the bargain because when the landowner sends for his earnings and his rent, they don't pay. Not only that, but they beat and they stone and they kill the ones who come from the landlord to collect. Finally, after trying a couple of times to get what belongs to him, the landowner sends his son with the expectation that those tenants will have to respect him, respect the son, Of the boss, after all. Much to the landowner's surprise, I'm sure, the tenants kill the son as though he were just another of their boss's slaves. Of course, Jesus' parable isn't just about some tenants and a landowner in an actual vineyard outside Jerusalem somewhere, and the chief priests and the Pharisees who are listening to Jesus aren't as -as think-as-you-dumb-they-are either they eventually realize that Jesus' parable is about them. They are the tenants who've been given the blessing of God's kingdom to share. And Jesus wasn't just talking about a vineyard or a wine press or some grape juice either. This parable is a story about life as God's children, charged with the fruits of the kingdom, things like forgiveness and hope and new life and peace and love and justice and grace And the chief priests and the Pharisees weren't honoring the terms of their lease, if you will. The people of Jesus' day were lifting up rules that kept people out of the vineyard. They were sticking by traditions that made themselves the sole beneficiaries of God's love. They were making it hard to see that God's grace was meant for the whole wide world. They were trying desperately to keep God's good news and blessings all to themselves. Their list of works to do and their list of sins not to do was extensive and overbearing and more than anyone could possibly manage, really. And if you've ever rented an apartment, you know you aren't allowed to just paint the walls whatever colors you want, are you? You might just get yourself evicted. And as tenants in God's vineyard, that's how I see what the chief priests and the Pharisees were up to. They were putting up walls and building their own barriers and drawing lines in the sand about just how much God could love. And their God was small in that regard. And Jesus' story isn't just about the Pharisees or the chief priests either, of course. Jesus' story now is about you and me, too, and so it's not always an easy story to hear. If God is the landowner, we aren't always the best of tenants, if we're honest. We don't always recognize that all we have and all that we are have been given to us by God, not just for ourselves, not just for those who look and smell and act and believe and vote like us, but for the sake of the world around us, too. We don't always remember that we are merely tenants. We forget that that can be a real blessing if we let it. When we forget that, when we start acting like we own the joint, when we start pretending that the vineyard is ours, we get ourselves into trouble just like the chief priests and the Pharisees in Jesus' day. We start building our own walls and putting our own boundaries up around God's grace for the world. And we start painting it all too with colors of judgment and condemnation and scarcity and fear. We start coming up with our own lists of things to do or not to do for others, of course, mostly, that don't always line up with what God would have for any one of us. So it makes me wonder where in the world is the good news today? What's Jesus' point here? Are we just supposed to admit our failure? hand over our keys, and wait for our eviction, for God to snatch the kingdom from us like Jesus seems to promise God will do. And I don't think so. I think we're called to see what a blessing it is that we don't have to change or charge. We don't have the responsibility over what ultimately belongs to God. I think we're supposed to put down our own to-do list and pay more attention to God's. And I think we're called to thank God for not giving up on us yet. We're called to be thankful that God, as the owner of all of it, finally did send the Son. And we're called to be thankful that Jesus shows us what it means to be children of God, to be faithful servants, to be responsible, grateful, generous tenants with the gifts God has poured into our lives. We do our best to do what God would have us do, then, as tenants. Love, forgive, bless, heal, preach the good news. And when we fail, when we get distracted, when we lose our way, when we're tempted to stop or build walls or set boundaries, we're reminded that God sent Jesus in the end to take care of what we are not able to tend to. course, I'm glad I don't rent that college apartment any longer. I love the house. I'm blessed to call home. It smells much better. I remind myself as often as I can that it's all a blessing from God. Even the to-do list that overwhelm me are sometimes valuable ways to remember how grateful I am for what I call mine. The same is true with all the blessings and all the responsibilities that come with being a child of God trying to live life in the Christ-like ways of patience and generosity and forgiveness, humility, love, and so on down that holy kind of to-do list. Jesus does kinda let us have it in this morning's gospel parable, right along with the chief priests and the Pharisees. He does sort of put us in our place if we're listening to all he has to say. But if we soften our hearts, if we will see ourselves as tenants, more often renters, merely renters, thank God, of the most gracious landlord, we will see ourselves as fellow workers too with Jesus, the Son, doing God's bidding for the sake of this world, for the sake of this church that we are blessed to call home. Amen.